Hello, welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this series we'll be talking with world leaders in agility to help understand how we can make continuous improvement a part of your company's DNA. In this episode, I talk with Michael Sahota about the Organizational Performance Index, and we understand how engaging your employees and having a learning mindset is key to having a high-performing organization. Hello, and welcome to Comparative Agility. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this episode, we talk to Michael Sahota about the organizational uh, performance capability we have on Comparative Agility. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate uh, this time to share with you. Well, thank you very much. It's, a, it's always great to catch up with some of the authors of the capabilities because it really gives us a really great understanding of the, 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 the depth behind each of the capabilities um, and how people can actually use them in their day-to-day uh, lives of the organizations. And, and this one's a, another really special one because, again, we talked about the organ, uh, how we can actually improve organizations. And that's really where this organizational performance capabilities focused. Um, typically, we go into agile and software, but um, lately we've been focusing on more uh, pervasive and, and, and topics that every, every company, every organization, whatever it is, can, uh, can get value out of in the continuous improvement journey. And your focus is specifically on organizational performance. So do you want to give me a bit of background as how you came to, to working with this subject? Sure. Yeah, actually, this is actually part one of two. We actually have two indexes. One is uh, we're speaking about today, which is organizational performance. Got the it. other one is leadership mastery. And mm-hmm. like you say, well, who, like, why are you talking about this? Your, your background is software development. Exactly. Uh, you've had leadership yep. roles. You've, you've been working as a consultant and trainer, get agile working. And, you know, like, why on earth would you be having an index on this? And the answer is that it turns out that agile is pointing to high performance organizations. When you talk about business mm-hmm. agility, that's really why people are wanting agile. Like it turns out no one actually wants agile. What they want are the benefits that come through that. Mm-hmm. And so what this survey does is it helps people have a, a sort of a, a kind of a balanced understanding of what's happening in their organization that gives them the perspective they need to understand what to go look at, like what's uh, drawing attention as uh, the possible bottleneck for performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny, uh, a, a good friend of mine laid it out quite well for me that, uh, you know, when, it, when you start in the agile space, you start at the tools level, you eventually start moving into the processes level, but you, you, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time before you start really focusing on mindset and, and leadership and principles like that. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. So um, there's a huge need for it inside all organizations because um, the latest tool won't solve all your problems um it's really an inner game for the business and for the people involved which uh to 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 lead to those high performance teams and to really serving their customers in market Um, yeah and that's really what it's coming down to is that supporting teams and how to move to an agile way of working an agile mindset that's a well understood problem Mm. Uh, for most people doing agile transformations who are trying to increase their organizational performance helping leaders have the right mindset, the right understanding, the right capabilities needed to create an environment where autonomous self-organizing teams, much more independent workers can actually create that, you know, you know, really passionate, motivated worker 
that will create products that customer delights. That, that, that's what, mm. that's what we need leaders to do to create that kind of culture system, that kind of environment. And what this organizational performance index does is it says, well, Hey, are you actually focusing on the things that matter the most? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of the things that you bring up like aligned autonomy and, and all those concepts are things that we're going through right now. And, and one thing that I do wonder is, I mean, this is a time and place that we're recording this in the pandemic, but you also talked about that whole understanding of self-motivated uh, or self-organizing teams. Um, suddenly that's become a much more important factor in any organization and team when you're in a distributed environment. Um, and, and the idea of just seeing and watching people in, a, in an office isn't really um, compatible anymore. So have you seen a, a change in the needs and the appetite of businesses post pandemic? So I think the pandemic has really highlighted the need to support mm. uh, a kind of a more holistic view of the workplace. And what we're seeing here is now it's much more difficult for managers to use traditional behaviors to yes. govern the organization. And what a lot of this kind of a, actually, this has been a wake up call for managers to say that the old ways are no longer working anymore. Now managers are often being forced to be in a position where they have no alternative, but to trust their people because mm -hmm. it's no longer about butts and chairs. It's now yes. about, well, what are you doing to lead their influence? What are you doing to inspire people? What are you doing to create an environment where they want to come to work, where they're choosing mm -hmm. to stay focused throughout the day to get work done, not because someone's watching them or monitoring what they're doing, but because they're choosing to do it because they believe in it, what the company is doing. They believe they can contribute. And, you know, everybody at their core just wants to be successful. They want to contribute yes. to something. Yeah, it's something that I've been really thinking about because if, as going back to that tools mindset, so tools, process and mindset kind of mental model, the tools have been around for a very long time. We've been had, you know, video conferencing, uh, you know, uh, chat or you know, emails, all those kinds of things. The processes we've, we've all been talking about for decades as far as Scrum, um, you know, uh, you know, daily standups and all those kinds of things. But suddenly I've seen this huge shift or, or, or not shift, but need to embrace the really uh, core parts of the, of, of a great organizational performance. And that is the mindset. And that does come down to the leaders. You're absolutely right to say, no, this is, we do trust you. This is who we are. Um, we do value your input and, and, the, and the work that you bring to the organization every day. Um, and I just hope that people are willing to, you know, uh, accept that and, and to embrace that, but we'll see how we go. Maybe it's hard. If, maybe it'll be a hard change as change always is. Um, but it's certainly, um, a positive step forward if you're willing to embrace that. Um, yeah. And I guess what, what the intention of this index this perform organizational performance index is really all about is to help leaders understand that the current metrics they're using, the current ways of measuring success mm -hmm. are incomplete. Okay. Uh, that they're focused in some ways on the wrong variables. And by opening up to kind of a wider, we can call this like a wider aperture, a wider understanding of what whole success looks like, not just for today, not just for this quarter. Of mm -hmm. course, that's important, but for the, for, the, for the growth of the organization, for having sustainable success, for having a company that's not going to go to business in five years or 10 years because you're not keeping up with your competitors. You're falling mm -hmm. further and further behind. Your products aren't getting out fast enough. I mean, this is the plight of most organizations. And the intention for this index is really help leaders orient away from what they're looking at now to a different and broader set of, of, of perspectives that will help them reorient and refocus attention on what matters most. 
That sounds great. Why don't we just get into it? Because I'm, 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 I'm salivating and understanding this menu that you put before us. So let's, uh, let's take a quick look. So one of the first uh, capabilities that you talk about is employee focus. So um, is that more than just, you know, getting enough time out of meetings? I and mean, what are we talking about here? So if we look at, you know, like agile, agile is all about people, people over process. We can call that yes. the shortest definition. If you look at anyone like running an organization, they know all about engagement mm -hmm. and engagement data and the importance of that. So what mm -hmm. this dimension is doing is pulling out some of the key elements to understand, well, what is the experience of employees? What are people in mm -hmm. your company experiencing now? And there's a shift to understand, well, customer experience, while it's very important, employee experience is even more important, mm. right? Because only employees who are fulfilled, who have passion, can really create great products for our customers. So we're understanding that to create amazing products, to create amazing customer experiences, it actually requires us to have amazing employee experiences, to create places where people are passionate about coming to work, they're excited about what they're doing, they feel fulfilled every day. Like, yep. so that we're getting away from that Monday morning symptom syndrome where people yep. are like, oh my God, it's Monday. I have to go to work where they go. Oh my gosh, it's Monday. Oh, I'm so excited. Today I get to work on dot, yep. dot, dot. Yeah. I, I had an old HR director who used to call it Sunday, Sunday night dread. That moment when you, uh, you hit, you, you know, you're having a great weekend and you hit the Sunday night and like, oh, wait a minute. I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Um, and he, he, he actually used that in his employee strategy saying, I don't want our people to feel that. I don't want them to feel the Sunday morning dread. I want them to feel this for Monday morning high when they're like, oh, great. I get to see my, my colleagues who I like. We get to work on great problems together. You know, it's, it's some, it, I don't know if I'm using the right language here, but it's, it's the way sometimes adults play in the way that they you know, are interested in, in solving complex problems and, 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 and failure as a part of that. Um, uh, and it's really funny that you bring this up because I have also, there has also been a lot of talk around, you know, how the order in which you take care of your interest inside a company, um, uh, whether you take care of shareholders, then customers, then employees. But there's been uh, quite, you know, vocal companies who say, I think it was Southwest Airlines and companies like that, which say, no, no, we take care of our employees first because when they're happy and they're interested, they take care of our customers in extraordinary ways. So, yeah, um, there yeah, is actually a there's actually, yeah, let me just jump in. Yeah. There's actually a pattern we, we actually go through in our training and, and my upcoming book, which talks about what we call the virtuous cycle. That when we look after our employees, they look after yeah. the customers, and that looks after the operating cash flow, right? Which Correct. then gives the employees yeah. the support they need to build amazing products for their customer. They give them all the tools and equipment they need to be, be extraordinary. And, you know, this is in line what we see with when capitalism was first invented, where shareholders don't come first. Mm -hmm. excess profits go to shareholders. That's what happened when capitalism first invented. So we're just trying to bring yeah. people back to the roots of what creates lasting success. And when we said talk about taking care of employees, we're not talking about hugely expensive things here. We're not talking about, you know, ping pong tables and free lunches and things like that. We're, we're literally, I mean, that's great, but, but we're talking about just actually the human emotion of caring and, and, and having empathy for, for that person in their situation. Yeah. So that, that might be like too big a stretch. We're, 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 that would be kind of like advanced level. We're just talking about basic things like yep. do the employee, are employees engaged at work? Are they productive? Like mm. are things going well for your, you know, people who are working in the organization? 
Have you even asked this question before? That could be a great place to start. Yeah, is (laughs) is this even on our minds as as managers, Mm -hmm. right? Or or do our results as an organization or or a team or a department reflect the capabilities of our people? Mm-hmm. Or is there an, like an opportunity or, or, or a gap there that, that there's kind of, you know, low hanging fruit or many possibilities to create greater levels of success and performance. Mm-hmm. And then, and then kind of the other thing is kind of talking about what's going on with the hierarchy. Most people are working in organizations with a hierarchy and mm-hmm. is that functioning well? Is the hierarchy mm-hmm. being used to uplift and enable people and move decisions where they need to be made? Or is the hierarchy almost like an agent of oppression? where people mm-hmm. are kind of oppressed and people aren't trusted to make decisions and all the decisions get filtered and bottlenecked at the top and it's kind of strangling the organization. That would be like another kind of dimension to look at. Mm-hmm. And then and I guess the, the last dimension would be about agile. You know, it's supposed to be about collaboration, but I'm going to tell you a dirty secret. <laughs> Most agile teams are terrible at collaboration with each other. Yep. We actually set up agile in a lot of ways and we talk, there's a lot more to say about this topic. That, so that the teams don't work together to optimize the whole for the organization. So that's another thing we want to look at is, well, are people actually working together, not just within a team, but across teams and across different departments and groups to maximize the success of the whole organization? Yeah, I, I see it every day. Um, we can still have, even today, like people focused on, okay, I've got my JIRA tickets, I've got my work to do, and you know, I don't have to worry about that. And sometimes that's a function of their, the value that they bring to the organization. But even there's some, even new technologies like Slack um, or, or any of the messaging tools, you can see people sitting right next to each other who are just typing, you know, back and forth, even though they're, they're at arm's length from each other. Um, and, and that may work in an asynchronous environment, but it is also about, okay, so how are we collaborating and working together rather than just doing the work that's in front of us or channeled to us via digital tools? I mean, I, I don't think I'm being extremely clear here, but I, I, I get exactly what you're saying as far as, um, uh, agile teams not being a silver bullet and in, you know there, there is certainly a lot of work in building an organization where they're taking ownership and working together so yeah well yeah. you know from my perspective setting up agile teams is the easy part of the whole system i agree helping helping um managers understand like what 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 do they need to do to create the environment and giving them the skills, the mindset, the capability, that's like the, that's like the big nut. That's what, that's what we're super focused on. That's why this, mm-hmm. this index is kind of helping laser point to, well, as a manager, as a leader of your organization, what do you need to be paying attention to? What are all the different dimensions? Because a lot of managers are only focused on, you know, a couple of these and, and the rest are getting neglected. Uh, that's been my experience as well. I often talk about three horizons of failure when you, when you have an agile transformation. The first one is, you know, your teams will, will work, but then, uh, after that, typically you're right. It's the management, which is a lot, which is whose incentives, traditional way of doing things, and maybe even just afraid that I'm going to be irrelevant um, in, in a in a distributed environment where I'm supporting teams. I'm not directing work. Um, that's certainly something that I've seen a lot of clients that I've worked to go through, and I think a lot of people are still trying to. Um, uh, it's really hard for me to say solve because it's never going to be solved but you know it's oh, no, 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 no. Actually, it, it, no solve is a good word actually we have okay. we actually we we actually have a solution which we we teach in the upcoming okay. book and so on so so and this so that's really it, it is a for us a solved problem um okay. and really it's about understanding that culture and leadership uh when we make those first class citizens and we have an understanding of what to do with those and how those integrate with organizational change then then it becomes much more 
much more tangible and tractable, but it requires stepping back from agile. And this is what I did uh, for some okay. time in my career and my growth was to step away from agile and say, well, if I don't have agile as a lens, what, how would I understand this challenge and this problem? And it opened a much broader world that's aligned with agile, but is a bigger, a bigger worldview than just agile. Mm. And that's also what I love about working in this, uh, with this podcast is that I meet so many people who have take, who have started in the agile world, but there's so many peripheral, uh, um, modalities that, that, that have come about out of necessity as, as agile pro proliferates through the world. So yeah, okay, necessity is the right word for it. Absolutely. It's <laughs> like, you know, I want to be successful. I want to help organizations be successful. I want to help managers and, and executives because be various areas successful. And that mm -hmm. requires looking at, at whatever is needed, uh, mm -hmm. to, to create that outcome, which is actually turns out more than just agile itself. Yes, absolutely. Well, these are problems we've faced for a very long time. We're just facing them in this current environment with the agile lens on, as you pointed out. So, so the learning mindset that kind of comes into similar to the employee focus, like we were, but we're, this is across the organization, I expect. Yeah. So learning mindset is, is actually interesting because there's both a individual dimension and an yes. organizational dimension, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I'll tell you a story. Like one organization I was working with, everyone had to track their time in with time codes. And someone noticed, well, um, you know, I'm noticing here, there's no time for learning or growth in our time code system. So basically organization, I'm just giving you a very dramatic example, but this is true for most organizations. There actually is no time for learning and growth. And you know mm -hmm. what happens if there's no time for learning and growth, you don't get learning and growth. And if you don't mm -hmm. have learning and growth, your company is not evolving. It's not improving. And if you're not involving and improving, guess what? You're going to go extinct. So this is kind of like the, the kind of the key success factor that will lead, lead to success. Um, so that, that's kind of the, uh, the start. And then, and then kind of tied in with that is, well, where are people focusing? Are they focusing just on the short term mm -hmm. or are they spending some time looking at the long term? Cause we know if we just keep on optimizing the short term again and again and again, and we never think about the future, what's going to happen in the future. It's not going to be pretty, right? Yep. Yeah, I, um, it, it's funny because that, that does always happen. I always talk about, especially when, we, when I'm teaching teams about estimating in hours or days, I'm like, yeah, but it's a difficult thing because what about all those town hall meetings you need to attend and all these kinds of things. So, but, but the idea is that, that you brought up is that you, know, you need to invest in, uh, invest in research, development, learning, all those kinds of things in order to maintain a learning mindset. Um, has, I mean, maybe this is too fine a question, but have you seen companies actually do that saying, okay, we're going to put this budget aside, which we know is real money. When time is, is money. We're paying these people into uh, research and development budget or, or learning budget. Sorry. Yeah. So, so the, the answer is that that's not, not a great strategy to have a separate line item budget, whatever mm. it's, it, or co companies that are successful just have it built in yeah. to everyday work. Mm -hmm. I mean, some companies do that. Like Google had their 20% famous 20%, 80% on yep. fixed projects, 20% do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But even when they're working on that 80% work, you know, we want them folk learning, growing. Yep. Uh, innovation happens as part of daily work. Like mm -hmm. this whole addiction to large transformation programs is actually kind of a, a block for learning. It's really mm -hmm. about developing a culture where learning is fully integrated to it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's actually a real, real challenge because we're not just talking about, oh, uh, I need to tell people to run experiments and try things out. And that's how we'll get this, this learning culture in place. Well, you know, it turns out that without psychological safety, 
no one's going to run any experiments. Yes. And even more interesting than that is without the leaders going first to run the experiments and model how to run experiments, how to learn from failures, how to, you know, say, oh, well, we just had this five failure. Great. That didn't work mm -hmm. out the way expected. Oops. What do we learn from this? Right. What so that, Correct. and when, when there's that happening, there's a culture that supports it, you know, then people can, can learn, they can grow. And then the organization will evolve. They will adapt. It will survive in the future. But most organizations, I mean, like 80%, maybe 90%, this is not the norm. Most mm -hmm. organizations have superficial learning at best. So what we're really saying is most organizations are not set up to survive. And paying attention to what's going on with learning is a, a key dimension to or key indicator for organizational thriving and survivability. Two things that come up there when you, when you talk about that is... Um... Uh, one of the things is also in the past, it kind of feels like learning is treated as a separate thing. It's not the work. You have a, a training and management, a learning and education budget. You go away off site to go to a seminar or a course. That's where your learning happens. And this is where your work happens, but that's not exactly the greatest value for the individual or for the organization. It's actually, as you're saying, bringing the learning into the day-to-day, tasks and processes that we do and the things that we work on and, and having a curious and learning mindset is going to be much more beneficial for everyone. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And, and as you're saying, it's not just about learning on the job. It's about learning wherever needed, whether it's yes. taking an online course, going to an in-person training, because that, that will lead to very rapid learning, right? So mm -hmm. it's about honoring all the different paths that there are for learning to create the best outcome for the organization and, and the person. Cause when people learn and grow, uh, it actually supports them, supports their sense of fulfillment, their, and, and it gives them a, um, a greater connection with the work and a feeling of ability to contribute, which then, because yeah. um, people, people just want to be successful. People just want to mm -hmm. be successful with what they do. And yep. when learning is integrated, the success rate goes way up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So The other thing that came to mind was this curious situation. It's always kind of, uh, it's always been curious for me where, you have the labs group and they're the ones who are allowed to learn and fail and do all the innovation stuff. But everyone else is like, is given the message. Well, then if they're allowed to fail and do all that stuff, you're not, you've got to be a hundred percent learning out. Whereas, I mean, I've always felt, and it's always just felt natural to me that no, that should be built in and ingrained into every single team because that's just a, a part of the organizational culture. Well, you, you, you don't have to, I mean, really, you don't have to have it in any team, but the question is how much success do you want to have? Yes. The more people who are learning, the greater the success. So it's entirely optional, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're from this organization performance index, we're not attached. Every organization is fully responsible for choosing its own destiny. Mm -hmm. Our intention is to hold up a mirror to say, hey, are you aware of the choices that are being made right now and mm -hmm. aware of the consequence of those choices? This is something that came up in one of my previous podcasts, which kind of actually was an aha moment for me is like, the choices that you've made and are, you know, and how they're building the organization around you and, and, and the ways that you're working, just being aware of those choices is extremely powerful from a mindset point of view. Um, because it may, allows you to think, well, did you choose that? Or did you just, was it chosen for you from a book or from a seminar or, you know, and, and would you choose something else if now you know this, like because of the way that you, you, you the context that you're facing, the maturity of your team, anything else. So, I'm loving hearing, hearing these things because it does actually make us all think about, okay, so what choices are we making 
implicit or explicit within the way that we build our environments, the way that we operate with our teams. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like a deeper point, which is the intention of the whole Nix, is to invite people to draw attention to the places that could really help them create the greatest success they hope for and yearn for. It's yes. not us about telling you, oh, you're wrong, you're bad. It's really about uh, helping people uh, create attention on things mm -hmm. that will unlock success, unlock yes. the greater performance of, of the organizational system. Understood. Okay. And the next uh, area we look at is situational outlook. Um, is this the way we approach problems? <laughs> so the best description for situational outlook is what is the level of connection with reality? Mm. And I know reality is a big word, but if we think there's some consensual 3D reality out there, and we can talk about the research from Wisdom of Crowds, where if you take a whole bunch of answers and you take the average of all those, that's mm -hmm. you know, sort of external reality, right? There's actually a lot mm -hmm. of wisdom when you collect all the information from all the people. And so you know, the other question, I mean, the first question is management is willing to look at the reality of what's happening in the organization. Like they're actually ready to go kind of go below decks mm -hmm. and see what's happening. Now, this is a very powerful question because in a lot of organizations, it's, you know, if you're the messenger, you're going to get shot, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of corporate environments, leaders say they're open to hearing about the challenges and problems, but in practice, they're actually not. So this is like very important because if we are not working in reality, we're working in lies, self-deception, misunderstanding, and half-truths. Mm -hmm. And all the efforts, all the plans, all the changes that we're trying to do with organization are largely going to be a waste of effort, right? So if, you're, if you want to make your organization better, the, the starting place is to connect with the deep truth or reality of exactly what's happening. You have a clear picture of that. I'm, I'm interested in this a lot because um, the further a an abstraction of reality that because when we talk about layers of management, we talk about layers of reporting, there's always going to be an abstraction of reality or a, uh, a, um, a translation of, of that reality via people's biases. I mean, I'm in sales, I'm in, I'm in accounting like, and, and the, 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 uh, their viewpoints of the world. So how have mm -hmm. you seen this change? Um, can you, can you give me an example of how this has changed from, okay, it used to be like this and then we actually, it, it went to look like this? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we're talking, so you're talking about layers of abstraction. So what we mm. could do is well, what's the level of fidelity of the abstractions? Mm -hmm. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with abstractions that have a yep. high level of fidelity, a high level of reality, a yep. high level of truth. And what you, what we're really checking is, well, is there a shared and aligned view of what's happening, whether it's an abstract view or not, at all levels of the hierarchy, from the top to the very bottom? Yep. That would be one sort of set of dimensions. The other one is across departments and across different groups. Do people actually agree about the reality of what's happening in the organization? Mm -hmm. And what we've found with most organizations is there isn't agreement and alignment. That what we yep. find is that usually as you go through layers of management, the, there isn't a shared understanding or there might be some awareness, but there isn't a shared acceptance. So yes. that this, this, this denial of, of reality, the self-deception that goes on is actually a critical blocker and without, without creating the alignment. Because if we don't have alignment with, between groups, if we don't have alignment across the layer of the organization, how effective can our change program be? And, and the answer is not mm -hmm. very effective. So, so the work that we've seen doing is starting to create a ubiquitous language 
-hmm. across all the layers, across all the groups for what does success look like? Yep. What is high performance? What is low performance? Where are we on our journey of evolution as an organization? Where do we collectively aspire to be? And what that does is it creates a space for aligned progress. It creates a space for real dialogue about mm. the root causes of what's happening. Because most organizations are addressing the surface challenges because mm -hmm. they're not looking at the, this aligned reality, what's really happening. Uh, and so when we go beyond the surface to the root cause, to the actual what's happening, wow, then you can really start having meaningful solutions that people believe in. Most leadership and companies, top leadership, are disenfranchising the employees, coming back to the, the first uh, area we were talking about, what's the employee experience, because yep. they're coming up with plans that are incomplete, partial. Mm -hmm. And the way you'll see this is a really high-performing leadership team, you know what they'll do? They'll say, hey, we've gone on a listening tour. We understand that this is the situation, and we think the best next step is ABC. And you know what mm -hmm. they'll do then? They'll say, what do you guys think? And mm -hmm. they'll get open feedback to say, yep. hey, are we on the mark? That's what it looks like when you have leaders who are, ha have an accurate grasp of the situational outlook because they're not going to be afraid to check their understanding with everyone because they're going to be pretty confident that it's right. And if it's wrong, they want to learn about it, which ties back mm -hmm. into a learning culture. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because it's all um, interconnected, it's, right? I mean, it's not oh, like we're talking and, about and it's, it's, it's <laughs> Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but it's just no, so ahead. spot on. Um, in my train, in my coaching, and in, when I've been working with teams, it's the amount of disparate views of reality is amazing. Even in small, large, even going from just one team to a whole organization, and when you get to that, I mean, I've used visual management boards or, or to kind of make this point very quickly. But it's only when you get to a shared view of reality that do we all agree that this is reality. That, that's the only point at which productive conversations really happen. Otherwise, yeah. there's wasted time in miscommunications, in, in just we're not talking about the same thing and where I don't actually even respect your opinion because I don't think you're operating from the correct, the facts, um, the facts that I see them for in my part of the world um, versus you know, the facts that you see in your part of the world. It's only once you're operating from that shared vocabulary and that shared view of the world that real productive conversations happen. And... And we can actually start to make plans as you said like okay cool this is the world next step is this are we all agreed and when no one and everyone is agreeing and committing to, to helping and then pushing that forward because there, there's uh, we all agree we're all on the same page here so it's yeah. for me it's it, 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 for those who, who couldn't see me it's, there's probably a lot of nodding going on going uh-huh uh-huh uh -huh. <laughs> I, I get that but it's it's one of those things that's simple but not easy um sorry uh, yeah, it may, it may sound simple. Oh, you all just, you know, have well, a shared it's anything reality, but... simple. We, we actually have a whole technology that we created called the five A's of organizational alignment to take people okay. step by step through this, because what we're trying to do with this index is help people go, okay, wait, there's a problem here. And there's some learning needed to understand how to resolve it, that our existing mm -hmm. understanding or existing tooling is insufficient. And so really the intention here is to inspire desire for, for growth, for saying, well, wait a second, I want to be successful. Wait, we don't have a shared understanding. Okay, well, how do I do that? Whether it's what we share or others share, we're not really concerned. We're really concerned about how do we help organizations be successful, whether it's through the technology we've created or other people who are helping support uh, leaders and executives make this, this kind of change. Yep, got it. 
Okay. Yeah, that, that's it's 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 can't be understated how important this is because without this, there's a lot of um, uh, the two things that I see come out of this is more mistrust when we're not all, all um, talking in the same language, focusing on the same problems. It's like, well, you're not helping me reach my objective, and, and it just. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter because the organizational objectives aren't clear, and we're not moving towards them. Um, but it's a, it's a huge amount of waste when I'm doing one thing, you're doing another, and the left hand's not working with the right hand, and you know the, the job's not getting done. So it's so well, important. That's what too. it's all about, right? It's about our yeah. getting the job done. And really, the leadership's job is to remove the organizational impediments or challenges that are getting in the way of getting the work done. Mm -hmm. So if that's their job, the question is, well, are they doing their job? And that's one of the questions that we ask is, well, you know, are the most important challenges and opportunities effectively addressed? Right. Yeah. And if people are saying, yeah, they're getting effectively addressed, it means that we're testing, well, is, is the management system functioning? Is this organization performing well? Because a high performing organization is going to address the challenges and the opportunities really well. And everyone will say, oh, yeah, we're, we're on the right path. We're focusing on the right things. Most mm -hmm. organizations, because they don't have the situational awareness, are actually focusing on things that are not the most important thing. So there's uh, mm. a lot of opportunity uh, left on the table, so to speak. Got it. Cool. And it seems like we've kind of flashed forward into alignment uh, just as a, a natural evolution of all, all the things that we're talking about, but I want to make sure we cover this off specifically. So is, have we already, uh, is there anything yeah. more we want to no, no, that's, I, I, I think you're actually tapping into something very deep is that even though these are three different areas, uh, and this is what we go into some yeah. of our teachings, we're talking about one thing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about what is the integrated functional culture, both the mindset as well as the practices of an organizational system. Mm -hmm. And these are just different dimensions to help look into the very same thing. So all of these questions, you can say like kind of intersect in a very, very deep and powerful way. That's why we uh, mm. elected these specific questions as, as part of this index. Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree with you. They're, and they're just so tightly aligned um, that uh, they all deserve the time and space that they, they, they that are required because the 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 leverage outcome, which is we're going to get to next outcomes, is just so great because when the uh, organization is operating at this level, at a management and leadership level, it it only leverages across everything inside the organization, every employee, every process, every. And, um, and every outcome for a customer, which again, as we talked about, <clears throat> when, the cust when the employees are really focused in this way and, and working so well, they can only do one thing and that's take care of the customer and the output for the organization well. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, for, for me, it's been extremely important to understand how these things really affect at a deeper level, all of the people processes and things that go on you know, across the organization. But if yeah, we're done with so alignment, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, let me just comment on alignment. So really alignment, I think we're starting to t sort of uh, starting to blend into this topic, but really mm. are, we're, we're just observing that, well, when you have an organization where there's a high level of alignment, uh, everything's gonna fire together, right? If you don't mm -hmm. have alignment, you're, there's actually an incredible amount of waste and dissipated yes. energy because the yeah. organization is actually in conflict with itself, mm -hmm. not with competitors, it's in conflict with itself. So it's super important to understand where's their alignment. Again, we see that across layers of management, yeah. across different groups within the organization. And you know, really what's happening? Is there alignment between what, with, within the top leadership? 
Like, or what leaders say needs to get worked on and actually happen. Does that actually happen? Is there kind of like this, this gap between what people say is this, again, this happens in 80, 90% of organizations. Leaders say this is important, but then they focus on all the other things that are not what they said were most yes. important. And so that yeah. you get this gap, which then leads to this, you know, huge disconnect with the people in the organization where they're like, what? Like we agreed with you, this was important, but why, why isn't it happening? And then that leads to all sorts of challenges. Yeah. I think you articulated what I was trying to say before much better, but that dissipation of, of energy and time and focus inside the business is, is complete waste because it's not serving the customer. It's, it's not, uh, it's not operating effective. It's not being, it's not being deployed effectively in the market and it's just, uh, it's not serving any purpose. So it's own the only outcome is to get rid of it, operate a leaner, tighter, more well-oiled machine. And you'll be faster well, and I don't and I, I don't think so. I mean no? I, I think I think trying to focus on a machine is actually part of the problem. Okay. Right. And what we see with high performance organizations is they stop thinking about themselves as a machine. Okay. Machine is kind of coming from this tailor stick metaphor mm -hmm. of understanding that people are these cog replaceable parts. Mm -hmm. And the managers have brains and the workers have no brains. Yep. So really what this whole index is trying to bring about is an understanding, well, people themselves individually are complex systems. Mm -hmm. When we put a bunch of people together, we have a really incredibly complex system. It's not a machine because mm -hmm. a machine, a human mind can understand, it can design, it can change. An organizational system is so complex, even with just one human being. If you ever have like a friend or a partner or kids, any one human being is an incredibly yes. complex system. We cannot predict their behavior. Yep. Now, when you put all these people together in an organizational system, it, it, it becomes impossible, forget about predicting, it becomes impossible to try to control it and govern it the way we would a machine, right? Yes. So the whole metaphor of understanding the organization as a machine, which is, kind of, is tied with the metrics people that we're inviting people to move away from, Mm -hmm. by asking them to look at very different metrics. Our metrics are more about looking, well, how is the organization as a complex system? How is the system functioning together? Mm -hmm. And what that invites people to do is stop thinking about very direct mechanical interventions because the research shows those don't work and invite them to take a step back and say, wait a second, I need to change my worldview to understand what the system in front of me is. I mm -hmm. need to understand different tooling to approach the system that goes with this new mindset or new worldview uh, and that's really what this whole journey is about, uh, that, that we see is about for helping managers and leaders become, becoming very, very successful. Yeah, thank you for picking that up because it is something that language is so powerful inside the organization. And even yeah. just then, you picked up on something which was yeah. maybe not intent, intentful. But no, no, I, certainly... I know you get it. I know no, you no, get no, it. No, 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 don't, don't let me off the hook so quickly. <laughs> don't, let, <laughs> don't let me off the hook so quickly. So. Yeah, while it might have been tentful, language is powerful, especially as a leader inside an organization. Um, because as, as I inferred, as you kind of put there, if a machine is something that's broken, it's something that can be fixed by just going in and changing a part, et cetera. Like there are, there's a, it, it goes deeper than the language. Yeah, um, and ultimately and this learn, leads into helping leaders understand that because it's not a machine, it requires them instead of leading through direct control, starting to learn how to lead through influence. Yes, right? absolutely. And this is, again, requires a huge shift, new capabilities, new models, new learning, new skills, right? So that's why moving to an agile environment is actually incredibly demanding. And our experience mm -hmm. is that managers and executives are not getting the training they need 
in order to function in this new world, whether it's agile, digital, DevOps, or any of these other kind of transformational new ways of working, it actually requires mm -hmm. uh, like a substantial upgrade uh, and and support for leaders to not only be trained but be be mentored in functioning this new way of of being mm -hmm. and working. Absolutely, and I've I've actually had managers who uh, have have confided in me in that way, just going like. I'm being told I need to do all of these more softer things and more uh, servant leadership mounted things. In fact, yeah, but you know, I don't, I just kind of was promoted my way here. I didn't really, I wasn't good at it for, I wasn't good at uh, the soft side. I was good at the hard side. I was, I delivered results. That's why I got to where I am today. And now I'm being asked to, to operate in a different way. Um, and I have actually been in organizations where people uh, took offense to the, to the idea of servant leadership as a manager. Um, and they raised it with their senior leadership going, no, I'm not a servant leader. I'm the manager. I, I get stuff done and I yeah. direct people to do things. And so one, I've, 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 I've experienced this. It's not something which is, it's, it's, it's very real. And either people have not a been equipped or B aren't, aren't on the journey and they may play our theater agile to kind of make sure that they're ticking the boxes, but it's got to be something that's all very authentic because your employees and your uh, will, will, will notice whether they're, this is something that's being authentically communicated, but also, as you pointed out, it's much more of a, I think a long game. So if they're not sowing the seeds, you won't be reaping the harvest later. Right. Right. Well, I, I think, I think uh, actually, honestly, I think talking about servant leadership is part of the problem. No, okay. uh, in, it, so in our view, just as agile is an incomplete specification, mm -hmm. servant leadership is also an incomplete specification because it talks about, oh, we need these new things, but it doesn't give people a path to get there. Correct. And it doesn't even clearly mm -hmm. outline what's the most essential piece. Mm -hmm. So we've actually replaced that term with something we'll call evolutionary leadership, which is the choice for a leader to evolve themselves. Mm -hmm. and learn how to evolve the people in the organizational system around them. Mm -hmm. And when people have made this choice, it means that over time, it's, really, it's actually a commitment more than just the learning mindset because the learning mindset says I'm committed to growth. It's a step beyond that to an evolutionary mindset mm -hmm. where we're committed to evolving our self, mm -hmm. a willingness to look at something people call it our shadow self. We just yeah. talk about it as the, the normal default conditioned behavior that people have as leaders to start being really honest and saying, well, how are we showing up as leaders and what are the, what's the damage we're causing through this and where can we show up as extraordinary leaders who can lead an organization to really uh, what is a high performance environment, which is a shift from just doing practices to an inner shift in our being, a shift of mindset, shift of consciousness. So, so mm -hmm. our, our view is that there's a, there's, a, there's a much more comprehensive understanding that's available now that goes beyond just servant leadership. So I, I think that's partly why there's been a lot of resistance because managers are not servants. They're not, and, there's, and the term is just confusing. <laughs> In fact, what's required for leaders for the 21st century is understanding the paradox of power. This mm -hmm. is the term we created and coined, which is about understanding, well, how can I use power for good mm -hmm. and not use power for destruction? and learn of well, when do I use power? What, wh how am I using that's destructive? So I don't want to do that. And how do I use it to create good? Which coming back to the survey is like, well, how do you create a great employee experience, right? How do you create that alignment? How do you, how do you address all of these things we've been talking about requires a shift, a, a very important shift within leadership.
which requires mm -hmm. their commitment to themselves learning uh, about how they're showing up. Yeah. I, I love that we've been uh, challenging a lot of the, the, the status quo, as, as you pointed out, because it can be quite easy to walk into almost any agile workshop and hear all these terms. But um, it, my favorite, my favorite uh, response to in the agile world, it, it, it depends. Like it's all about your context, your organization, all those kinds of things. But it's really about uh, thinking, you know, really, really hard about what's going to work for your organization. And um, it's quite easy to latch onto these terms in, in the agile world. Um, yes, they, are, they do work and they do have certain in contexts. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing up, you know, the, the way that you've seen how to challenge them and, and how, to, how they've showed up in your world. So, yeah, I, I, I'd actually challenge, I'd say that agile does not work in most organizations. Period. Oh, let's go into that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just like, well, this is what the this is what the organizational performance index. No, no, is most about. organizations I completely get. Let's go there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because like because most organizations aren't set up for agile. If we look at what agile is, agile is a means to support increasing organizational performance. Mm -hmm. I repeat this, this is a very important point. Agile is a means to increasing organizational performance. Yeah. We've checked this out of the world. Nobody anywhere in the world wants agile. What they want is the benefits that yeah. come through Agile. Mm -hmm. So what's essential for actually creating success through Agile is understanding it's a means to the end. It's mm -hmm. there in service where appropriate mm -hmm. to support the organizational performance. And this is mm -hmm. a very profound shift. And it's really about people who have a huge capability and power with Agile to only use that for good. So mm -hmm. we have a lot of people coming through our trainings and there's a lot of rehabilitation needed for people in the Agile community because they're often focused and you kind of have what we call the agile blinders on. And this is what mm -hmm. we're talking about with this performance index to open up to a broader dimension, a broader understanding. Yep. It's, it's funny you say that because I've, when I teach uh, some agile kind of trainings and stuff, I get lawyers coming in, I get uh, print houses coming like, Oh, we need, we want to learn how we can do agile in the law firm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let's open up that then unpack that a little bit. But uh, it is certainly being given a silver bullet, paint job in the industry. Um, but uh, I, I really, really like the idea that you're talking about, well, the outcomes can still be, uh, um, the outcomes are still virtuous, but maybe we need to approach it in a certain way. So yeah, it's just yeah. like agile is really great, but let's use it where appropriate. I mean, we had this whole mm -hmm. thing in our community with Scrum versus Kanban and there was this, all this conflict and people go, wait a second, we should use Kanban where it's good. We should use Scrum where it's good. And they both can be done in agile way. There's no conflict. Right. Yes. Like I've got a blog post from like a long, long time ago, which essentially <laughs> said that and the different kinds of Kanban and so on. But yeah. like the same maturity we need with people understanding agile. Well, sometimes we'll use agile. Sometimes we'll talk about culture. Sometimes we'll talk about leadership. Sometimes we'll talk about how we're approaching organizational change. Yeah. We want to be mature enough as agents of change as whether we're a manager or an executive within an organization, part of a transformation team or, uh, or a coach to understand that level of maturity. But when we just get stuck on agile and it's the end all be all, we're mm -hmm. doomed. Like it's just doomed, it's over. Yep. That's my- We'll see how many, we'll see, no, we'll see how many emails we get after this one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I th I th I, honestly though, that it's, it's an extremely mature conversation to be having, to be, to be not just, okay, everyone should know that the sky is blue. Um, well, maybe it's, maybe it's not in, in this context, right? Um, uh, cause it is only through that, that we learn and grow and, and, uh, new ways, not new ways of doing things, but, but alt options are, are available for the context, as I said, 
of any organization and any any person inside that inside that organization so i, I love options um and it seems like we've kind of already fast forwarded to organizational outcomes as you've just uh you've, you've yeah. quite, we've kind of crept into but is there anything more we should be talking about there well you know i think we were talking about this since the start you know the proof is in the pudding yeah right so you know are the organization's product thrive organization's products thrive in the marketplace right like uh, is your organization producing like amazing products and you know you know among the market leaders or or is there yeah. lagging behind because if you're lagging behind then eventually you know it's gonna it's not gonna end end up well um yeah. the other one and i hear this a lot is that people go well wait a second our organization has a problem attracting and retaining top talent yeah. which is really a code word for our organizational culture sucks yeah it's a code for nobody wants to work here, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, well, guess what? If nobody wants to work at your company, uh, you've got a, actually a very serious problem because you're not going to have employees in the future and your company will simply not exist. Mm -hmm. So it, it's actually like a huge, I mean, it's being, the problem is so significant. It's, it's getting, I think, really understated as well. We'll give it to HR. They'll, they'll solve the attracting talent problem. Well, HR can't fix culture. This is the newsflash. Yes. It's like only the managers and the executives in the organization can fix culture. HR can help them, of course, but it's actually a responsibility of, of the people who hold the power. Uh, they're the only ones who can actually shape the culture of the organization in, in a, a very significant way. So, so I think that's, a, that's a, another key dimension to see, well, what's really happening? What's the scorecard for your organization? Is it, is it, um, is it getting the right people to continue to function? Mm. I think that's an extremely important point. Why would anyone want to work here? If you can't answer that question quickly and not have to think, sit there and think about it, then there's already something to think about, but also yeah. the idea that, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. The, uh, the, the idea that culture happens over there in the HR department, you know, see those group of desks over there. Um, the more the culture that the, the idea that culture happens every day on the floor in the, when I walk into work and say, hello to my employee, how was your weekend? You know, or, or how's that new baby going versus all the way through to, Hey, shit, sorry, you know, something's broken. What are we going to do about it? When, when, when it, when it, when the, when the rubber hits the road, um, it's all of those things. And, and we'll, it's, um, it's, it's important because that's the experience I'm going to have every day when we have conflict, when we have a moment to talk, you know, do we actually have an interest in each other's personal lives? Those kinds of things. So um, I think those are need to be pervasive and need to be a, a shared responsibility across the organization with shared values, shared choices, all of those kinds of things. And I, I don't think I'm standing it so well, but this is so important in today's um, uh, marketplace for the best talent because mm -hmm. anyone can give them more money. Anyone can give them more money but only you in your environment will give them that your unique flavor of culture that they'll say, no, I want to be a part of this. I feel accepted. I feel uh, valued. I feel, you know, I have fun. I, I enjoy solving problems at work with these people. So. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I, I agree uh, completely. And, and I think, I think the only other dimension I'd add is that it's much more than that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's absolutely an essential part. And it's more than that. It's actually about, uh, managers and executives understanding how to use their power to overcome the paradox of power, because without that understanding, it doesn't matter how nice you are to your people, or how much you care about them personally. If you're to keep on making these kind of kind of what we call obvious errors with ineffective use of power that mm. leads to oppression, it, it doesn't matter how much you're trying to care about people. If you keep on making um, poor 
organizational choices and decisions. So there's really a huge opportunity we see in most organizations to upgrade the ability for uh, decision-making to become much more inclusive, much more effective, much more focused on reality. When that happens, then your glass door scores are going to go up or whatever the metrics is in whatever part of the world people are in here. But like mm-hmm. this, this externally review site that tells, well, this is a good place to work. Then those scores are going to go up and it's going to become actually uh, much easier to attract talent because you're going to have a good buzz around your company, right? Do you want a good buzz around your products? Mm-hmm. Well, that depends on your customer experience. Yeah. Are you getting a good buzz about your workplace? That depends on your employee experience. So mm-hmm. this code of attacking talent is like a really um, deep key into the core of the organization and how it functions. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael. It's been really an, an educational and uplifting experience for me. Um, and I think more people will start to be thinking about um, really the, the core, as you said, of, of their organization and how they approach uh, taking care of their employees, their customers, the decisions they make every day. So um, if you're interested in, in what we've just been talking about, you can sign up for a free account now at comparativeagility.com. And we have the organizational performance uh, assessment available there. I encourage you to take it. Uh, it's important just to go straight in, answer all the questions honestly, and it's all part of that continuous improvement journey where you can uh, get some recommendations uh, and, and make some improvements and see what, how you're doing in three, six, 12 months time to improve your organizational performance overall. Is there anything anywhere else people can see and hear more about you, Michael? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, well, first of all, thank you for hosting this space. Uh, I actually love having dialogues like this because every time I get to go deeper and, and kind of get, get, get fresh insights on, on this topic. So first of all, thank you so much. Uh, the other thing I'll say about the, uh, the index is really is about, it's designed to ask questions, mm-hmm. right? So some people think of the surveys, oh, this will help me track progress and where am I? And yes, it'll do that. But most importantly, it'll help draw attention to those dimensions that matter the most that mm-hmm. you can pay attention to that will give you a shift in the results that will actually be material in creating the success your company may hope for. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, the survey yeah. is the beginning and after that, you've got to actually use it in your organization. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, in terms of where to learn more, uh, probably just going to our website, shift314.com. Uh, there's a lot of uh, free resources we have, blogs, videos. I know on the comparative agility page, there's some, some links there as well. Uh, just in terms of if people are really interested in going deeper on some of this material, we have uh, extensive leadership training available to support mm-hmm. leaders with this. And this is actually our specialty for our company is supporting the mindset shift, supporting the shift in consciousness needed to move to these new ways of working uh, and these new ways of functioning. Uh, and so that's really uh, an invitation of any of the, what we shared here sparked interest in people. Fantastic. I think that's a great idea. Well, thank you for your time and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.